Hey, good morning and uh, welcome to Southridge. And uh, thanks to each of you who's joining us today. Uh, today we are going to complete our series, Christmas, It's All Good. Uh, in the first week, two weeks ago, Stu led us through the message, Better Than True, which uh, focused on the people closest to Jesus who believed they had met good personified and how they were convinced the message was good news that should be shared with all people and that the message should transcend generations. Last week, Scott spoke on leveling the playing field, uh, which really hit at the compelling story of Jesus uh, that left no one out. It was an all-inclusive message. And despite that, though, there were still those who either confused by the message or who are still resistant to the message. So today, I'm going to finish out with a message titled, Be the News. Focusing primarily on our responsibility as believers of Christ to share the story. So I want to start out today with where we're going to finish off, and that's with two questions. The first question, and I want you to think about this as, as I'm going through the message this morning. But the first question is, I want you, is, am I good news? The second question, and what if I was the only news that somebody heard today? Those are two really tough questions, and they cause us to really look into ourselves. And I will tell you, I'll be very candid with you, as I was preparing the message, as I was reading Paul uh, and the letter to, to Philipp, the Philippians, I'm going to be doing a little bit of looking at the man in the mirror this morning. Scott did a little bit of this last week, but let's start with a quick review of 2020. What a year this has absolutely been. I think a really strong argument can be made that there has probably not been a year with this much bad news or a roller coaster of news that we've seen in probably since the Great Depression, about 100 years ago. In the national news this year, we were made aware of a global pandemic that completely altered how we work and how we live. It was almost a paradigm shift almost overnight. The news brought us images and stories of racial tension civil discord across the country, and violence. The markets had incredibly wild swings. The news has to have covered what has been one of the most unique elections in our nation's history. Locally, we learned about our schools shutting down, then going to online, and then going to hybrid. Businesses modified their hours and how they delivered service to us, and for some, we learned that they unfortunately were shutting their doors forever. And also in our community, we had news of local civil demonstrations. For the church, we received news that we could no longer hold services at the school. We received news that almost jeopardized our ability to do summer at the Ridge. And we've received news as we have gone forth on the, on the building of the facility. We have received news that has created a number of challenges for us that we've had to overcome. And personally, some of us have received news of a loved one's illness, injury, or death. Jobs were lost, and some of us had spouses who gave news that they no longer wanted to continue in the marriage. It has absolutely been a tough year with a lot of bad news, that is for certain. And to add insult to injury, the news hasn't always been clear. It's been really tough to figure out where truth was, who was manipulating information for personal gain? 
and it's been exceptionally hard separating fact from fiction. All right, at this point, I am sure that a number of people are saying, Tim, I tuned in this morning. I wanted an uplifting message, and you're really bringing me down. I promise you, before we get through this, we will be to the uplifting message portion of this. So just stick with me. All right, so think about that list that I just read it off. Think about how you responded when you heard some of those news events. So when we hear news that's not good, we tend to hope that it's not true. In some cases, if the news is really bad, we tend to go into a state of disbelief. Conversely, though, when we hear good news, we're actually hoping that it is true. Our spirits are uplifted, and we want to start sharing that good news with others. Over the last couple of weeks, we learned together that the birth of Jesus was announced as good news and great joy for all people. The original version was so good it was referred to as the gospel or the good story. So if it is actually good news, then why aren't more of us tuning in? Why wouldn't everyone lean in and hope that it's true and want to share that story more than we are right now? After all, the original version was so compelling and so worth telling. So at the risk of being tackled off the uh, podium here, one of my favorite music groups is a group called Pearl Jam. And one of my favorite songs for them is a song titled Wishlist. And I don't want to hear any judgments from anybody out in the audience later on when I see it. For those of you not familiar with this song, it's a stream of thought song about someone wishing for all the things that he wishes that he could be and wishes he could be for others. But most of those wishes are unrealistic or unattainable. Wishes of what he wants to be but just can't be or just isn't. So there's two particular lines in this song that really stick out to me. I'm going to share one now. We'll come back to one of them later on. The first line is, I wish I was the messenger and all the news was good. This is a wish that I am absolutely certain that each one of you could identify with. However, the reality is, is that the news isn't always good. But for us as Christians, we have a news story to share that is always good. So I'm going to say it one more time. The news isn't always good, but for Christians and believers in Christ, we have a news story that is always good. So why are there so many not tuned in to the story? What happened to the good news? Did the message grow stale? Did an element of the story change in a way that altered the good news? Perhaps what happened is that we happened. We have gotten in the way. The church has Americanized the good news. We've politicized it. We've prosperitized it. We've anti-intellectualized it and internalized the good news. We have eyesed the news. If I was a musical artist, I would probably take that, bend that, and shape that and saying, we have iced it. We have cooled the story down to a point that people aren't as excited about going out and telling that new story now. We've reduced it to something you believe rather than to something you actually do. It is now fire insurance for us. When it's reduced to what it can do for me in spite of how it might affect you, that's not good news. It's more like pick and choose news. I pick and choose the parts that suit me and serve my interests. 
The moment we do that, it's no longer good for everybody. It's just good for people like us and for people who like us. Have you ever heard of the uh, Slave Bible? It was a uh, Bible that was published in London in 1807 by the Society uh, for the Conversion of Slaves in the British West Indies. It was used to teach slaves how to read, but at the same time, bring them toward the Christian faith. However, in this Bible, they decided to remove all of the parts that undermine the legitimacy of slavery. They removed the Exodus story. And verses like this out of Galatians 3.28, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. So that's good news for the slave owners. But if you're a slave or were a slave, that is not so good news for you. So if the version of or my version of the gospel isn't good for Jews and Gentiles, saints and sinners, the righteous, the unrighteous, the crazy uncle or the cousin that I have, or my HOA chair, then there's a good possibility that is probably not the original version. So before we get too far into this, let's ensure we're all approaching this from the uh, same reference point. Let's define what news is. News is newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. At this point, someone may be saying, wait a minute, Tim. The story of the birth of Christ and his life is over 2,000 years old. It may be noteworthy and it's important, but it's certainly not recent or newly received. The story of Christ doesn't fit into the definition of news. Well, let's think about it this way. For a young child at the point in their lives where they're just beginning to understand concepts and new ideas, the birth of Christ is new. The birth of Christ might as well have happened yesterday or less than a few years ago for them. For someone who is never invited to attend church or had a follower of Christ near them, their understanding of the story may be nothing more than a headline, Christ was born today. They haven't tuned in or they haven't had someone engage with them with questions that everyone asks when news is really flying and exciting. That question that you'll hear from your friends of, hey, have you heard? For some who've grown up in the church, the message has been garbled and they need some breaking news with some information to clarify the story. And for some who've tuned in and understand the story of Christ, they may need some in-depth investigative report so they can have deeper meaning and application of that story. So it's clear that the story of Christ is news and it's noteworthy and it is as important today as it was over 2,000 years ago. But despite that, for some people, resistance to Christianity revolves around, is it true? For others, it revolves around, is it good? Do I want to hear it? Paul, in his letters uh, to Christians in Galatia, said you've never met anyone for whom the original news was not good news. Remember what Jesus said should characterize us as his followers? Correct belief? No. He said, by this all men will know that you are my follower, by the way you treat and love one another. 
That's good news. Every generation of Jesus followers is responsible to ensure our news is the original news. Good news. Again, Jesus could not have been more clear. You are, this is Matthew 5.14. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Hey, I, I don't know about you, but when I hear that verse, that kind of gets my motor running, gets me revved up, and that makes me want to start moving out to the car and start going to find some people and talking about Jesus Christ and his story. If that's not getting you revved up, you probably need to do a pulse check. Before we dive into Scripture, I, I want to touch on something, though, that is very relevant to us in the times that we live. And that's the technology that's available to us to receive, create, and share news. With a device like this and in the palm of our hands, we have more computer computing power available to us than NASA had to put a man on the moon. We have the ability to see something or learn something and in seconds share it with the entire world. That is an immense amount of power, but it also requires an immense amount of responsibility to ensure that one, it's being applied appropriately because it's a reflection of you, and two, that we're actually investigating whether what we're seeing Hearing and sharing is factual. So I, I love YouTube. I think YouTube is a great technology. In an instant, I can go to my phone. I can type in a phrase. I have access to hundreds of videos from different people providing instruction on small engine maintenance and repair, woodworking, house maintenance and repair, or lessons about the Bible. And the list just goes on and on. This past summer... I was looking for a video as I was troubleshooting a tiller, tiller and I noticed that there was a, uh, a video, a news video of a, dem of a demonstration uh, that was occurring, and, and I clicked on it. I watched that video for a few minutes. Later on, I came back to YouTube looking for something else, and I noticed that I had a couple more feeds that were related to the demonstrations, and I clicked on a couple of those, and I watched those. Days later, I started noticing that the feed that was coming to me from YouTube was peppered with different types of videos, stories, some from news organizations, some from not news organizations, and it was all over the place in my news feed. So I'm savvy enough, and fortunately, I have a job where I actually work very closely with people who have expertise in machine learning. So I understood what was going on. I understood that YouTube was trying to learn what I wanted to watch, and that's what it was offering me. After a few of those news videos, though, I noticed that I was getting emotionally involved. Every time that I saw or heard something related to the demonstrations, and, and not just on YouTube, but other different media sources as well, an emotional response was being evoked to get me to try and think and act a certain way. So Netflix, some of you have probably seen this, Netflix just ran a really good documentary with former software engineers, uh, tech experts, um, computer scientists uh, from some of the biggest tech firms and companies that we have uh, in the world. 
And it's called The Social Dilemma. If you have an opportunity to watch it, I suggest that you take some time, sit down and watch it. The, the focus was on how we were being, are being manipulated, all right, through these social media platforms, in many ways, subconsciously. I absolutely believe that the most of these tech companies started with an idea that was a good idea that was really meant to improve the human condition. But somewhere along the line, things came off track. So I'll give you an example that, that one, of the, uh, one of the people in the, uh, in the documentary gave, and that's the idea of the like button. Everybody's familiar with the like button. The like button was created to spread goodwill and allow people to display support to one another. That's supposed to be a really good thing, right? But today, we see people are measuring their lives and worth in terms of how many people are liking a post that they just published. I've seen this firsthand. A young girl, a friend of my daughter, age 10, this young girl was plotting to get as many likes as she could on her social media platform. I watched her as she would post something and throughout the hour, multiple times, going back to her phone and checking to see how many people liked what she had just posted, how many people were starting to follow her. She was in the initial stages of establishing her worth based on the likes of people that she didn't even know. So why do I bring this up here? So every time I hear news, doesn't matter what mode that it's coming from, but the news message that evokes an emotional response from me, particularly if it's one that makes me angry, I physically have to take a step back and separate myself from the source and let it rest a while. I need to ask myself whether I'm hearing what I heard was just fact or whether it was someone trying to manipulate me into believing something. Otherwise, it would be too easy for me to respond with something that might be hurtful to somebody else and expose me as being someone who was ignorant, who didn't bother to take the time to get the facts, listen to other people's points of views before I actually formed an opinion. Reconciling the power of technology available to us and how we interact with others across these different platforms is important to us as Christians. If we're going to be the shining light unto the world for all to see, we should be using the technology available to us in a responsible manner that doesn't detract the story of Jesus and the news that we want to share. All right, so let's get into the scripture now and see what Paul has to say about us being the news. And, and I, I will tell you right now, Paul has made this super, super simple for me. Um, because I am simply, essentially reading from Philippians 2 um, and then putting in a few injects here and there. Um, this, this is just what he did is, is absolutely beautiful. So up front, Paul was against Christianity. He thought the message and the birth of Jesus Christ and about Jesus' life was a threat to him. He saw it as threatening his popularity, his finances, everything about him that was tied to the old ways was at stake if the gospel continued to spread and more people believed. So Paul joined an organization. He became deputized 
And he worked as a violent activist to squash that message and to remove the message of the gospel from the world. He wanted to put the movement, known as the way, out of business. But then Paul ran headlong into the bustle of good news. He literally had a come-to-Jesus moment where he, he was given the grace and the mercy of God and it changed him. When he understood what the good, real news was, he laid down all of his ways of violence, coercion, and fear. He continued to be an activist as an apostle who was now spreading a different message, the gospel. He gave his life to clarify to the Gentile people just how good this good news was for them. So he writes a letter to the Christians that are living in Philippi. As I read these verses, I, I want you to think for a moment. What if this characterized every Christian in the world? What if our lives characterized and personified the good news? That is what the Apostle Paul teaches us over and over again. So here's where he starts. I'm going to start at Philippians 2.1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? He's asking some very basic questions. Questions that you and I have probably asked at some point when we are trying to evaluate whether or not we should join a group. Essentially, we're trying to determine whether or not there is value. So then he goes on, and if you've benefited from the good news and following Jesus, then he says, then make me truly happy by agreeing with one mind and purpose. So in other words, allow the good that has come your way to overflow into your relationships. And, and this isn't for you alone. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your interests, but take an interest in others too. Why would we do that? Well, because this is what Christ did for you and for me and for the world. This is what followers of Christ are called to do. So we shouldn't be hoarding that news. We should be sharing the news. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So take your relational, your friendship, your parenting, your bossing, your working, your dating cues, take them all from Jesus. And it goes on, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So Jesus has leveraged his power and his influence for the benefit of those with less power and influence. That's good for everybody. But instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. So the goal of crucifixion was oblivion. In other words, being in an unaware state, unconscious of reality. Jesus was the king who came to reverse the order of things. Imagine if everyone followed that king. I think most people would want to follow a king like that. So we're going to go ahead and skip to verses, verse 12. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important 
Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases Him. So when we follow, good things happen in us, even though good things might, or excuse me, bad things might, will, might be happening around us. The distorted gospel would say that if you follow, good things will happen to us. But if we embrace that inversion of the gospel, perversion of the gospel, it becomes about us and we're no longer the good news. In today's terms, somebody might look at you and say, hey man, it ain't about you. So do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Your selflessness will stand out in sharp contrast to selfishness. So how does good news behave? What positions us to be good news? We are called to be good news because we have believed and received the good news. The good news becomes bad news when the messenger is bad news. When the Bible is weaponized, the news becomes distorted. When the news is more about a what than a who, it's no longer good news. So I'm going to come back to that song, Wish List. The other line that sticks out to me in, is the line, I wish, it was, I wish I was as fortunate, as fortunate as me. So in the middle of this song, in the middle of all of these wishes, which, which are unrealistic, unattainable, just something that he is not, there's a recognition and an acknowledgement that I am actually very fortunate, fortunate for who I am, and fortunate for what I have. Believers in Christ are fortunate. Despite all the other bad news that may be swirling around us, we have a good news story, one to share. So there's four principles that uh, Paul provides us to live in every season, and, and especially in the Christmas season, that I, that I think help us to be good messengers. And for some of this, these, these four principles might be fairly easy, but for some of us, we might struggle with a couple of these. I know I struggle with at least a couple of these, and, and, and I'm sure that there's people in my family that be happy to point out which ones they are. Uh, but the first one is apologize immediately. When we're not good news, let's own it. All right? Forgive quickly. And why would we do that? We do that because we have been forgiven. Defer habitually. Put others first. Because that's what God has done for us. And then finally, give sacrificially. So when John summarizes the good news, he starts right there. For God so loved the world that he gave. So, circling back to those two questions that I've asked up front. Are you good news? And what if you were the only news that somebody heard today? As you continue to reflect on those two questions, I, I want to leave you with these encouraging words from Luke. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David.
you wouldn't mind, let's uh, pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your grace and sending your Son to forgive us of our sin. Lord, as, as you know, this has been a year of challenges that has caused struggles for everyone. But as we celebrate the birth of Jesus over the coming week, please provide each one of us an opportunity to focus on and share the good news of what Jesus' birth means to us. Take any fear or hesitation that we may have in sharing the story away so that we can teach, can each be the shining example for all to see and help each one of us remain focused on the good news of the story of Jesus while minimizing the bad news that's around each of us each day. In your name we pray. Amen.